this point, I think we'll start on this Transfiguration Sunday. Welcome to Trinity. Glad you're here. And um, let's sing a song to start with. Uh, talks about, uh, at least in one place, masks, but that's not what the song is about, actually. So it's called The Gathering. Um, and there are some words up there. If you can figure out how the melody goes, you're welcome to jump in as we go along here. The Gathering. Out of need and out of custom, we have gathered here again. To the gathering we have are bringing love and laughter, grief and pain. Some believing, some rejoicing, some afraid and some in doubt. Come we now our questions voicing, we would search these matters out. Come we now our masks displaying, Fear we that we shall be known Foolish games forever playing Feeling meanwhile so alone Let pretension's power be broken To be human let us dare Let the truth in love be spoken Let us now the questing share the glowing stories of the things which God has done, tales of power and of glory, of God's love in Christ the Son, God of human transformation, for your presence now we pray. Lead us ever on the journey as we gather here today to the gathering we are bringing love and laughter grief and pain out of need and out of custom we have gathered here again Morning. morning. Thank you, uh, thank you, Sheila, for that beautiful prelude this morning. Thank you, uh, Carl, and Jim, and Ron, for being with us. Thank you, uh, too, for being here, and all those wherever you are, uh, across the state, across the country, across the world. We welcome you to worship. Uh, it's Transfiguration Sunday, and so I wonder if you were at a party last night, and uh, people were standing around, and they said, "You're a Christian. Tell me what you know about the Transfiguration." Would it be a long conversation or a short one? Well, uh, we're going to be jumping into that mystery of the transfiguration today, and if that party happens next Saturday, you're going to be the star of the party because you'll know what that's all about. The order of service is printed uh, on the backside of your bulletin. Everything will be projected for you. If it's comfortable now, I'd invite you 
to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We lift our voices in song, our opening hymn, Christ Be Our Light. morning is a song prayer, Curie, Christ have mercy. Thank you. 
hymn of praise, shine, Jesus, shine. Gracious God, you are the light of the world. We pray now that you would shine into the darkest corners and hidden recesses of our troubled human stories. Bring illumination that we might feel your presence and garner the hope that we will need as we return to our Monday through Friday world. Give us light, Lord. And then give us the grace to share that light with others. We do not have perfect understanding or unshakable faith. We need you, Lord Jesus, and we need each other. Broken and whole, we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Cheryl's going to come and read our first lesson for us.
Good morning. The lesson today is from the first chapter of Peter, verses 16 through 19. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from the heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is the word of the Lord. Transfiguration Sunday, song about uh, getting to see God more clearly. Open my eyes. Never 
Help me to see your face. Open my eyes, Lord. Have me to see. If it is comfortable, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Our text for this Transfiguration Sunday comes in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with the first verse. Six days later, okay, you might as well sit down. Go ahead, sit down. I just, it's going to take a while. I mean, that's how the text starts. But how in the world can, I, can, I, can we start a text by saying six days later, right? Because I, I just think that if you were really paying attention at all, the whole time that I'm preaching, all you're going to be doing is sitting there going, oh, what happened six days earlier? How can we start six days later when we don't know what happened before? Six days after what? Six days after turning water into wine, that'd be one thing. Six days after walking on water, that'd be another Six days after healing a leper? Six days after Christmas? Six days later. We're going to have to back up. We're going to have to back up because I want you to understand this story, because I want you to fall in love with this story, because I believe that this story will reveal the very heart of God to you this morning. And that's going to help you get up tomorrow morning and face the world again. Now, I believe that this story will reveal God's nature to you. But if I start with six days later, I don't see how that's going to work. So I guess I have to invite you to come with me to Israel. We're going to set the stage for our gospel lesson. We arrive in Israel. There you see a little map of Israel and that little water up there in the middle is the Sea of Galilee. The mysterious transfiguration story that is a sign for today, it does not stand alone. It sits in this larger narrative. This mountaintop experience occurs not at the beginning, not at the middle, but near the end of Jesus' three-year ministry. And the only way that we can understand the context is by backing up to the beginning of Epiphany. Epiphany, which began with baptism. You may remember that day at the Jordan River when the heavens rumbled and the voice of God was heard saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus came out of the water. He then moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. He traversed the countryside, teaching and healing, feeding the 5,000, dining with known sinners, and even raising the dead. For three years, he modeled and taught a new way of living and loving. But now, as we enter our story today, the time is very short. And so Jesus gathers up his disciples and they walked out of the fishing village of Capernaum, which is right there in the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum. They walk out of the village, and where are they headed? They're not headed south. That makes sense. No, they're headed north. 
he, it did not seem to make sense that they would head north. After all, Jerusalem and Jewish Palestine was in the other direction. What possible reason would there be for them to head north? And it was a long walk, a long walk on dusty roads beneath a bright, hot Middle Eastern sun. Where was Jesus taking them and why? They walked 25 miles. When was the last time you walked 25 miles? You don't need to answer that. I know. (laughs) 25 miles they walked with Jesus in the wrong direction. Where were they going? They followed Jesus to the pagan city of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi. There you see what it might have looked like 2,000 years ago. It was built by King Herod's son, Philip, to honor Caesar, but mostly to honor himself. It was, make no mistake about it, a Roman city, and therefore it was just the kind of place that good Jewish boys and girls were supposed to avoid at all costs. But look at it. It was a magnificent city. Some 40 years after Jesus visited the city, 40 years after the cross and Easter, in the year 70 A.D., the general who destroyed Jerusalem, the general who would one day be Caesar himself, General Titus, came to this place, Caesarea Philippi, to celebrate his military victory over those Jewish rebels. The disciples no doubt wondered what they were doing in this unclean, God-forsaken place. Why, Jesus? Why would we walk so far to come here to a place that we were supposed to avoid? They walked into the city. They'd never been to a place quite like this. They were in awe. It was quite a walk. The full power of the Roman Empire was on display for them. Here at Caesarea Philippi, the headwaters of the Jordan River come gushing out of the Dan Mountains. Jesus and his disciples sat somewhere around where this picture is showing you right now. They sat there in the shade, and towering above them was a magnificent temple, a temple to the god Pan. Pan, half goat, half man. Recognize him there on the left? You know what comes from this creature, don't you? The word panic. Panic. And believe me, if you were out walking the beach or walking through the woods here on Whidbey Island and this mischievous goat man jumped out from behind a tree, bush, or a boulder, I'm guessing you would panic, would you not? Pan. It was a pagan temple. To the disciples, this pagan temple that you see right there was a symbol. It was a symbol of everything that was wrong in the world. Remember now, the Jewish faith was built on monotheism. Their faith sounded like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. There is one God, not many, one God, and that God is not a goat man. To worship a goat man was outrageous. This pagan worship of Rome was a sacrilege. Jesus and his disciples 
sat in the Roman city of Caesarea Philippi, directly below this pagan temple, and that's when Jesus asked him a question. He said, who do you say, or who do people say, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they were very quick to answer. They said, well, some say John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, okay, you've given me other people's opinions. Now let me ask you, who do you say that I am? And no one spoke up. It was quiet now. They all kind of looked down at their shoes. You see, it's not all that difficult to report the beliefs of others, is it? There's little risk in reporting what others might believe, but the tenor of the conversation changed when Jesus made it personal, and suddenly the disciples were being asked for a confession of faith in Jesus. So tell me, who do you say that I am? The silence was then broken, and it was pretty predictable who would break the silence. It was Peter. Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And with that, everyone else held their breath. They waited to see what Jesus would say. Jesus nodded his approval. And he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Surrounded by the power of Rome, sitting beneath a pagan temple, Jesus promised that the church would prevail. A church that did not exist, mind you, would outlive the Roman Empire in all of its power. In fact, the church would come to control the Roman Empire ultimately. The church would stand and pilgrims from the church would visit this place thousands of years later after Caesarea Philippi had slipped into the pages of history. This powerful confession came from Peter. Peter, you demand. You're the man of the hour. You are a hero, Peter. You got it right. Time was short. It was time to move on. The disciples were now following Jesus, headed back towards Jewish Palestine. Jesus had his eyes fixed on his mission, his destiny. He had his eyes fixed on Jerusalem and the cross. And on the road, Jesus tried to prepare his friends for the darkness, the betrayal, and the carnage that awaited them in Jerusalem. He told them that he would be handed over to the Jewish authorities, he would undergo great suffering, and he would be executed. Peter, the rock the disciple who spoke up, making that bold confession. He speaks up again. He kind of pulls Jesus aside, and he says, slow down, Jesus. <laughs> slow down, will you? God forbid it. This must never happen to you. Please, stop talking like this. You're making us all nervous. You see, we have plans for you, and those plans don't include the cross. And with that, Jesus turned to Peter and he dressed him down, and he dressed him down loud enough for everyone to hear. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you have your mind set not on God's plan, but on your own plan. 
Wow. Could have heard a pin drop. The silence was deafening. After a powerful confession, he now received a stunning rebuke. Get behind me, Satan. Could it get any worse than that? His reputation and his future prospects took a mortal hit. The disciples kept walking, following Jesus toward Jerusalem. But the mood in the group was somber now, and Peter was no longer walking up front with Jesus. No, no, no. He was walking way back in the rear with his head down, bumming a cigarette off Judas. There you have it. The stage is set. It's now six days later. They're on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the cross, but between the peaceful region around the Sea of Galilee and the holy city, overrun with pilgrims, was a holy mountain, Mount Tabor. The mountain was thought to be a thin place on earth, a place where earth and heaven almost touched. And throughout the history of Israel, this mountain was a place of awe, wonder, and the breaking in of God's Spirit. The road trip to Jerusalem was about to experience a side excursion up this mountain. And I have to tell you, folks, it was, it's quite a climb. I've never done it, but it's quite a climb. <laughs> I take a car up. But, uh, but it's, not, I mean, it's not like climbing Mount Rainier, but it is a long haul uphill. So who is going to go with Jesus? And who is going to stay behind at the base camp? Jesus took with him the brothers, James and John, and he had room for one more. Jesus looked out at the 12, and he said, uh, you, Peter, come on. Come on, Peter, you come with me. I want you to come with us. Lift up your head, Peter. Dust yourself off. God's not done with you. Eight days after that powerful confession, six days after a stunning rebuke, Jesus led Peter and James and John up a high mountain, and when they got to the top, to this thin place on earth, something happened, something extraordinary, something otherworldly, something beyond our comprehension. Jesus was transfigured. His appearance changed. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white, so white that they were blinding to the eye. And suddenly there was with Jesus two other men. Who? Moses, the giver of the law, the prince of Egypt, the Savior who led the children of Israel out of slavery through the wilderness to the promised land. Moses was there, and who else? Elijah. Elijah, the great Old Testament prophet who was last seen on a chariot of fire, leaving this world for heaven. i got to tell you, folks, there's no explaining this. It's out of this world. And there was Peter. He just could not help himself. He called out. He said, Lord, thanks for bringing us with you. What a treat. This is amazing. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build three churches up here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Peter was still speaking when the heavens began to rumble. You know, sometimes it's better to just be quiet and just stay in the moment. Sometimes there's nothing to be gained by talking, or as Abraham Lincoln said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Peter was still speaking 
when the heavens rumbled and the voice of God was heard saying, this is my son, my beloved with him I am well pleased. That's right, you picked up on it. It's the same exact words that were spoken at baptism. But this time the heavenly voice added three more words and he added them just for Peter. Listen to him. This is my son, my beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground. They were, the Bible says, overcome with fear. They were overcome with fear, laying in the dust, not sure what was happening, not sure what the future would hold, or even if there was going to be a future. They were there lying in the dust, overcome with fear. And what happens next? What happens next is not supernatural at all. What happens next is among the most tender and revealing moments in all of Scripture. What happens next? We see the very heart of God in response to the condition of humans. Jesus came over. Jesus came over to James and John and Peter Jesus comes to them and touches them. Now, how do you touch someone who's laying in the dust of brokenness, fear, despair, and shame, and trembling? That's right. Jesus got down in the dust with them. He touched them and said, get up and do not be afraid. My friends, I cannot explain this transfiguration to you. I'm not sure if this otherworldly event was meant to benefit Jesus or the disciples. But sometimes it's better to just leave a mystery alone. Sometimes it's okay to admit that maybe God is beyond our knowing. But this much I can tell you. This text and the entire witness of Jesus' life is a revelation of the very heart of God. God is merciful. God is slow to anger. God is abounding in steadfast love. God is forgiving. God is patient. God is kind. God loves us as we are and calls us forth to an even more abundant life. Now, I'm not sure what's going on in your life right now, But I hear enough stories every week to know that at any given moment, an awful lot of us who are here this morning are lying in the dust back home, overcome with fear, overcome with grief, overcome with shame. There are a lot of us laying in the dust, afraid to get out of bed, not sure how we're going to pay the bills unhappy at work, unhappy at home, waiting in terminally long ferry lines or waiting for a terminal disease to take us, tired of the pandemic, overcome with fear. And just when it seemed that the pandemic would loosen its grip, a madman in Russia starts a war. The truth is, at any given time, there are a lot of us laying in the dust, afraid of living and afraid of dying, picking at the sores of our rotting flesh, not sure what the point really is. There are a lot of us laying in the dust. None of us escape it. 
One day we can be on top of the world like Peter, and the next day we're laying in the dust of despair. There are a lot of us laying in the dust. But the story does not end there. Jesus does not leave us there. Feel his touch. He is not far off. He became one of us, and he is in the dust with you. He is loving you in your brokenness. Here comes Jesus. And he does not say, when he meets you there in the dust, how could you? He does not say, why did you? He does not say, you disappoint me. He does not say, I'm ashamed of you. No, there's no shame. There's no shaming. Jesus gets down in the dust of your life, and you feel the tender touch, and he says nothing more than, get up. Get up. And do not be afraid. What do we see? This is the heart of God. This is the one who walks with you. This is the one who calls you by name and lifts you out of a grave that cannot hold you. Jesus gets down in the dust. Our fear and our shame are cast away by Almighty God. This is how God operates. But there's more. There's one more thing. We are not merely spectators. This is not some mini-series we watch on Netflix. No, this is our life. And God calls us, those who follow Jesus, to get down in the dust with others. God calls us to speak words of hope sometimes. But more often, God calls us to sit. To sit silently holding the quivering flesh of the brokenhearted. Doing nothing. Nothing except the most important thing, and that is reminding them that they are not alone. The road to Jerusalem. The road to that cross is before us now as we begin our Lenten journey. Darkness and the cross, they're somewhere in our future. No one should go alone. No one goes alone. And that is the gospel of the Lord. We remain seated, and Carl's going to sing. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, but give me Give 
I would invite you to stand if it's comfortable as we lift our hearts to God in prayer. Cheryl's going to lead us in the prayers. We have a sung response, Change My Heart, O God. We'll sing that once now, and then after each petition, we'll come back to that sung response. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have called us to be light to the world. Let us be transfigured as we reflect that light to others. Give us the gift of hospitality that we might welcome, love, and serve all people. Give us courage that we might work for peace and justice in our homes and across the globe. Give us generous hearts that we might share from our abundance, feed the poor, and bring comfort to the afflicted. Hear us as we call to you. Yeah. 
Gracious God, in the face of the trials of this world, we sometimes feel helpless. We experience addiction, disability, discord in our families, and problems that seem overwhelming. Let us not be afraid as we put one foot in front of the other and face each day seeking your direction. Hear us as we call to you. Gracious God, our world is troubled. The powers of light and darkness do battle. We pray this day for the people of Ukraine and Russia as the fires of war create havoc and destroy lives. Be with those who suffer and change the hearts of those who exercise their power regardless of the costs. Send your Holy Spirit to the leaders of nations and the leaders of movements. May peace prevail, and may those in harm's way find safety and strength. Let us not lose hope as we call to you. Gracious God, you are the God of the living and the dead. Be with those who are diseased, depressed, lonely, afraid, and dying. Bring healing where possible and give comfort and hope to the afflicted and remind us of your promises and your constant presence in our lives. Hear us as we to you. whatever else is upon our hearts, we lift to you, gracious God, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of pandemic peace with one another.
for sharing that Guardian piece. Lots of announcements printed in your bulletin. Altar flowers today from Don and Sandra Orkies. Don's 85th birthday today. They may be at the next service, so if you see them, uh, we're thankful for the flowers and for birthdays. Uh, card ministry, there's uh, some notes out on the table out there. Card ministry, important way to touch people's lives and pick them up when they're down. Uh, Millie Stanton has been shut in for some time. You can send a one uh, card of encouragement to her. And Chuck Jackson, who uh, is a member of our church, lost his wife, Sylvia, on um, Friday morning. Uh, so um, that information is out there, too. Uh, Chuck and his daughter, Tammy, uh, come to our church. So that would be fantastic if you could uh, drop them a, lo- a line of encouragement. Ash Wednesday. Transfiguration leads to Lent. Wait a minute, who's that? <laughs> who's behind that mask? Well, that's you, Amy. Uh, Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday, we're going to have services at 10 a.m. and at 7 p.m. Uh, you'll have the opportunity for the imposition of ashes and Holy Communion as we begin this Lenten, 40-day Lenten journey to Jerusalem. So Ash Wednesday this week, uh, 10 a.m. in the morning, 7 p.m., uh, at night. Uh, everyone concerned about the Ukraine, and we should be, heard it in the prayers. Our prayers are important. Uh, money is important too. And uh, we sent out uh, some, uh, an email yesterday, it was on Facebook, assorted other social media spots. There are half sheets out in the lobby. Uh, we have an opportunity to partner with Lutheran World Relief, whose um, president, Daniel Speckard, was uh, the a U.S. ambassador to Belarus, and now leads Lutheran World Relief, and they are focusing on the refugees. Obviously, they're not going into the Ukraine right now, but they're focusing on the border states, uh, border countries, helping those refugees with food, water, medical supplies, shelter. So if you'd like to come alongside, this tells you how to do it. You can go to our website, put in disaster relief, and we're going to forward all that money then uh, to Lutheran World Relief. So we're very thankful to have an opportunity to efficiently do that uh, through the church. And I hope we can join this kind of worldwide movement that we see right now uh, towards um, uh, protest, towards peace, and saying let's end this madness once and and for all uh, as God's people. Uh, I'm going to call on uh, Deacon Amy. She's going to come up and share a few words. Good morning. morning. A few notes about uh, children, youth, and family. Again, there's a half-sheet flyer out on the table in the narthex if you'd like to pick that up. Uh, Confirmation class meets today and next Sunday at 11.45, or 11.15, so after the second worship service. Uh, Middle school youth group meets every Wednesday, and we will be here in person this week, 5 o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, So we'll be here just before our Lenten evening service. And then our high school mental health check-ins continue every Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. We meet down the hall in the youth room upstairs. A great opportunity for our high school kids to uh, just sit and visit and uh, share each other's joys and sorrows during this time. Um, A couple of trips coming up. Luther Haven for our middle school kids in Coeur d'Alene this summer. And Flathead Lutheran Bible Camp for our high school kids in Montana. So um, information and sign-up sheets for those are in the gym. Thanks. Thank you, Amy. Uh, out in the narthex, you're going to see a display uh, of historical pictures uh, 
from our history of our parish, uh, a lot of our charter members in there, Betty Layman's in there. Uh, also, you'll see a hometown hero article when Betty was a hometown hero. Uh, we have our own hometown hero, Susan Knickerbocker, who writes about hometown heroes. We're very thankful for that. So Betty Layman, she was 95 years old uh, when she died on Valentine's Day. Uh, she was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And she was born, get this, midway between the presidencies of John Quincy Adams and Joe Biden. <laughs> Perspective, huh? She saw 95 Christmases, 95 Easter's, and of those 95, 69 of those Christmases and 69 of those Easter's were spent right here at Trinity Lutheran Church. For 69 years, Betty believed in, supported, prayed for, and served Trinity Lutheran Church. Betty was the 16th adult out of 21 to sign our charter on November 1st, 1953. And with Betty's death, those 21 who were adults at that time have all died. Many died here, still in service to the church. There were 16 children who signed that charter. Uh, Betty Cameron Disher, who will probably be at the next service, and Sandy Peterson Nelson, who's right over here, and Joe Lehman. Joe Lehman, Betty's son, who's right there. Wave at us, Joe. There we go. Joe Lehman as well. November 1st, 1953, Trinity was born that day in the hearts and minds of our 37 charter members. Uh, Betty was 27 years old. She was a young wife and mother. Her twins, Wanda and Wendy, were the first babies baptized here at Trinity Lutheran Church. There were 37 people, and let me tell you what they had. They had no money. They had no property. They had no church. They had no pastor of their own. To be honest, they really had no chance of making this work, short of a miracle, short of a miracle from God. There were hard times, but their faith never wavered. Betty Lehman served Trinity Lutheran Church for 69 years. And through the years, Betty touched not just this church, but almost every aspect of South Whidbey Island life. The article I wrote a couple weeks ago, right after her death, uh, on Facebook and sent out was the most read article we've ever had. And it was because of Betty's picture there. Betty and her husband Wally were involved in all kinds of youth sporting events. Generations of children looked up to them as second parents. A wood carving statue of Wally still stands at the South Whidbey Park in Rexfield today. Betty was a proud member of the Daughters of Norway. Betty was a servant leader. She was occasionally opinionated. <laughs> she was active at the American Legion. She championed the Boys and Girls State Program for the American Legion. She was a patriot. She worked as a poll worker, assisting in countless national and local elections. She was a volunteer at the blood bank. She would make peanut butter balls for those who had given blood. So let me catch my breath for a minute, and let's just see Betty for just a moment. I'm Betty Lehman, and I do have five children, Twins were baptized here in 56 on Father's Day, but I got three boys before that were baptized down in our other church before we had, and the girls were the first ones baptized here. And we came out in 1950 from Minnesota. 
Betty served Trinity Lutheran Church for 69 years. She was also a dedicated quilter. And you see the quilts up here on the rails that we put up. Uh, Jane Lust brought in to, uh, and the other quilters to honor Betty. Uh, and think about it. In her time, thousands and thousands of these quilts, literally thousands and thousands, left our little church and headed across the globe to offer warmth and comfort and a sign of hope to worn, torn countries and disaster-ravaged people. I know our quilters are going to carry on, as Betty would want them to do. They'll faithfully carry on. Faithfully carry on. That's our calling, my friends, to carry on, to take our place in the line of saints who have allowed the Trinity miracle to continue to this day, to continue to prosper. What a legacy Betty leaves with us. A sometimes opinionated legacy of faith and service. And so we thank you, Betty. We thank you for sharing the journey with us. We will carry on. And we'll see you on the other side. Joe, to you, thanks for sharing your mother with us. Carl's going to sing now a song of love. You've heard about the love those folks had in starting this church, the love for this community, love for God. In the 13th chapter of John, John gives us a, uh, a new commandment, to love one another. <clears throat> this is a song by uh, Carrie Newcomer. stood naked and bewildered at the evil people do and up upon a hill there is a terrible sign that tells the story of what darkness waits when we leave the light behind don't tell me a hate is ever right or God's will these are the put in motion ourselves and the whole world weeps and is weeping still though shaken I still believe the best of what we all can be and the only peace this world will know can only come from love I am a voice that's calling out across the great divide I am only just one person that feels they have to try the questions fall like trees or dust and rise like prayers above but the only word is courage and the only answer love so don't tell me a hate is ever right or God's will These are the wheels we put in motion ourselves And the whole world weeps And is weeping still Though shaken, I still believe the 
best of what we all can be And the only peace this world will know Can only come from love Light every candle that you can We need some light to see In these days of deepest loss Treat each other tenderly And the arms of God will gather in each sparrow that falls But makes no separation Just fiercely loves us all And don't tell me hate is ever right Or God's will These are the wheels we put in motion ourselves and the whole world weeps and is weeping still though shaken i still believe the best of what we all can be and the only peace this world will know can only come from love and don't tell me a hate is ever right or god's will these are the wheels we put in ourselves and the whole world weeps and is weeping still though shaken I still believe the best of what we all can be and the only peace this world will know can only come from love can only come from love can only come from love I would invite you to stand as we share together our final prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer. We'll sing the Lord's Prayer together. As you depart from this place of worship, go out those doors and find your own place of service. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our uh, sending hymn, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light. <laughs>